Lockdown Diaries with Jack Kirby Love, episode 10. Hi everyone, uh, I hope you're all well. I'm recording this on Friday evening and again taking Luda the dog for a walk. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely evening, nice and sunny. I've not even got a jacket on. I have sunglasses, in fact, which is nice. Um, so yeah, I have been working today uh, again, which is fine. I've uh, got my unread emails down into double figures, which is quite an achievement considering where I was at the beginning of the week. Um, I had quite a bit of time off in March already before we started the whole coronavirus stuff um, and having to deal with that so I've just been going through I mean a lot of it is just deleting stuff that is no longer relevant um, just given how fast moving things are and people's situation updates and whatnot um, oh Luther's trying to climb over a wall we won't do that shall we so yeah so relatively productive at work and people are coming up with lots of good ideas on how to deal with evolving situations and things so yeah that's all good uh again i mean not too much to dogs just stopped come on <laughs> not too much to uh to tell you really i mean most of yesterday uh i sort of record these sort of the day tell you what i did the day before and most of yesterday i spent um in conversation with matt uh, as you may well have heard, um, in terms of free time and evenings and things. Um, so yeah, what I thought I would chat about uh, is just something that's been in the news cycle over, over the last couple of days, and that's sort of the football situation and how people are responding to the Premier League clubs uh, and their whole thing. So, and I thought that might be just a bit of an opportunity to talk about um, the club I follow because they are one of the ones that are currently in the spotlight. So, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, um, and as you may have read, they've come under some criticism for the for the decision makers at the club deciding to make use of the government's furlough scheme for their 550 non-playing staff. Um, so, in case anyone isn't aware, that means the staff members aren't working, they can't work, essentially, there's no work for them to do, and uh, they will be paid the 80 up to 80% of their wages by the government. <laughs> Come on, Luda, you heard a dog in the house. Um, so... That decision has come under criticism because, obviously, as a football club, they're incredibly wealthy. Uh, they're owned by Joe Lewis, um, a billionaire, tax exile, um, and and yeah, other clubs in the league. Oh goodness me, have uh, have chosen to either pay their staff in full or. Well, they've done that, and players have decided to subsidise wages as well at other clubs. And 
Yeah, I mean, um, so Tottenham's justification for, for this is it's what they consider financially prudent to do, which I mean, I'm sure it is from their perspective, and they sort of would make an argument about the long-term economic viability of the club. And the club is run very fastidiously and with, um, you know, in terms of the finances and things, there have been a lot of investment in infrastructure, which has arguably come at the expense of uh, paying out for uh, for players and things, although that seems to have shifted recently. But yeah, the cl- <coughs> excuse me, the chairman is notorious for his. Uh, oh, come on, Luda. So-called her business acumen, um, which he is. He's a, he is a businessman first and foremost before anything else. I think certainly, arguably more so than he is football guy. <laughs> I'm trying not to make that a value judgment, but it can't help but sound like one. Um, so in terms of my position on that, I think it's, um, I'm against it basically. I think it's wrong um, that the club isn't paying people their wages when they clearly have the economic power to do so. Now, yeah, that may have put the club, if you know, depending on how long this situation lasts for it may put the club at some financial imbalance but I think we're sort of I don't know depending on what you read between the 8th and 15th richest club in the world um, so frankly I don't think that should be too much given that we are famous for how well run we are financially you think if any club could potentially take a hit we'd be amongst them so that I find wrong to be honest um what's what seems to be happening a bit as well is that people are criticizing the players for not dipping into their pockets to uh, support their colleagues essentially uh, just in other parts of the business um which I, I i don't think that's right either i think the um it shouldn't be on the playing staff to um, to bail out necessarily their colleagues. It'd be a lovely gesture if they did, and it, you know, given that the directorate has come out and said this is we aren't doing this, I'm kind of surprised that you know some of the players at least haven't taken the initiative, even just for the the PR. However, um, their employees as well. Now, obviously, they're they were most well. Sorry, remunerated people at the club and the managers and the training team as well. Um, but I, I do feel that it's not the onus is on them to to do that. I do feel it's uh, on the owners. And now, you know, Spurs are owned by Enic, which is an investment corporation. So there's multiple levels and things, and no one person can solely be said to be completely in charge of the club. But it's I I find it hard to believe that it's something that it just simply isn't possible. I don't know anything about football finances other than what I read and listen to in the media, but I don't know, that seems to be it for me. Um, in terms of the players as well, they'll all be part of the Players' Union, which represents um, obviously the most well-paid and well-known and famous players, but also represents um, players at clubs much, much further down the um, 
the football pyramid, which the further down you go, the more sort of modest their wages become. And it, yeah, it's it's not as easy to say that everyone should take a 30% wage cut when, uh, well, perhaps the majority of the people in the players' union will um, have a much, much more significant impact on them. And you can't, the, you can't, the whole point of a union is you can't have one rule for one group of members and another for another group, really. Not without making life difficult for everyone. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, my blame isn't really with players as such. Um, although, as I say, slightly surprised none of them have to utilise football in metaphor, sort of gone for the open goal of good PR that they might get. And I don't know, I feel like it, it, it puts the fans in it. Well, the fans in a difficult position, heaven forbid. But I mean, it, it does. It, it, it does make it difficult to really support the club because the club shouldn't be a business. I mean, I know that it is, but in the truest sense of the word, where these football clubs came from, and not just to sort of bang on like things were better in the olden days and things, but clubs should be part of their community and serving their community. And Tottenham, um, it's been difficult to sort of support everything that they've done over the last few years. They've built a brand new stadium, but that has meant compulsory purchase orders on uh, large areas of the local area. Um, people's homes and businesses have been bought up um, and uh, you know, a significant proportion of those people didn't necessarily want their home or business to be bought up for this stadium. And so again, talking about PR, sort of the way the club have positioned themselves around that is is that the you know the stadium creates jobs in the community and is a force for good. It's not just a football club. They do I've worked quite closely in the past with the Spurs Foundation that works with young people in the area. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of social good associated with it. However, you know if they're put, framing themselves as a job creator in the area, it then seems unfair that they're not even topping up the, the wages in the furlough scheme, or at least they've not said that if they are, the club could have the option to pay the extra 20% that the um, government aren't paying, but there's been no indication that that's something that they should do either, which again just feels like <laughs> you could pay 20% of people's wages, that really doesn't feel like too much to ask at all, and again uh, it can't be too much of a financial burden it saves you 80% of their money if that's what you're interested in and it just looks a lot better than the position they're in. And obviously, you know, they're not doing anything illegal, but just because something is legal doesn't mean it's morally right necessarily and vice versa. So yeah, a bit of a disappointing situation. Now, yeah, I, I mean, and the other dogs just needs to have a little sniff in this bag that's on the street. Anything interesting there, Ludo? Mm. So the other factor that has made it a little less easy to love um, Tottenham over the last few months is, is to do with um, the new manager. So um, Spurs sacked their manager Maurizio Pochettino in October, I think it was, October, November time, and brought in Jose Mourinho. Um, who 
is a divisive figure. I, I've always sort of quite admired him, but from afar, <laughs> I'd never, I've admired him in some ways, um, but not necessarily in a, and I would like him at my club kind of a way. So, I mean, he's a successful person. He's an interesting character. He certainly has a interesting perspective on football and he's, as he has shown in between his jobs, he's quite good at analyzing the game. Um, but he's a very difficult character. I mean, he, uh, his approach to football is sort of the antithesis of what Spurs' supposed um, tradition of football is. So he's very def defensive and negative, whereas Spurs are supposed to be about flair and attacking. Um, I don't want to be too broad strokes, but that is sort of a very basic view so he immediately seems like a slightly odd choice obviously he's incredibly successful and it's hoped that he can bring some of that success to spurs because for all our good play and relative success it hasn't resulted in any um winning any competitions um not since 2008 so uh yeah it's uh i don't know arguably a pragmatic hire but he also brings baggage with him as well so uh, he has a tendency to single out players and uh, for criticism in the media, which he's done recently with uh, Tangi and Dombele, and he's done that before with Luke Shaw at Manchester United. Um, he at Chelsea previously. Um, there was a, I think, again unacceptable treatment of medical staff there. There was an incident with Ava uh, Caniero. Uh, one of the Chelsea medics, they had a falling out, and uh, again, his treatment of her in public was uh, completely wrong, I think. Uh, while he was at Real Madrid, he got into a scrap and poked uh, the Barcelona manager in the eye, which again, just, it's just sort of funny, but it's also not acceptable way to behave in a position of responsibility like that. So, and I'm sure there's other controversies around Jose, um, which again, sort of when he's not at your club, is quite interesting and entertaining, but when, not entertained by some of these things, but certainly interesting and sort of seeing that in contention with his football. Yeah, but it's not, never something that I imagined or wanted at Tottenham. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't want him to fail or anything. I would be delighted if he is able to um, bring some success to Spurs and he has been dealt a pretty rough hand we've, we've got an awful lot of injuries at the moment I mean who knows what the uh, what happened to the football season um, it was announced today I believe that the the league has been postponed indefinitely rather than resuming in April which is what the initial um, initial um, report was um, so yeah, uh, it, so hopefully by the time we play football again, we might have a fully fit squad. Imagine that, and then I guess that will be a much better place to judge his uh, what he's doing with the with the with the team. Um, but yeah, so it's just uh, those. Uh, I think I think I speak for a lot of fans when we said uh, Pochettino's approach and his ethos, his outlook, um, how he presented himself and his team, really sort of built a connection to the club that a lot of fans hadn't felt for a long time and you felt quite 
personally and emotionally involved with the club. And I know everyone does with their football club, but um, under Pochettino, that really increased for Spurs. And it's heartbreaking. <laughs> that sounds a bit too emotive, really, isn't it? But it's incredibly sad that he lost his job. Um, if it, I mean, I can understand why he the results had really um, started to become very poor for a long period of time. So I get that. I just do think that he uh, the things that he did achieve. I think it, he should have bought, it should have bought him a bit more time really to try and turn it around. Um, in my opinion, and certainly there are very few games that we've played under Jose Mourinho that I think he's got a better result than what Pochettino would have got. Obviously there's no way to prove that, that's just my gut instinct, but yeah, uh, I, I'm surprised. I would have preferred if we'd gone for Ancelotti, probably, if we had to replace Pochettino at all, but here we are. So, yeah, so again, it's just, it's made it quite difficult to, um, to enjoy supporting Spurs at the moment, and it sort of makes me wonder what my, what the nature of um, what the nature of supporting a team should be like if they're doing things that you don't find morally or otherwise acceptable. And I mean, I've always kind of thought if we got bought up by um, uh, a new owner that was. Um, morally dubious. So I would suggest the ownership of Man City and um, PSG, teams like that, that have been bought by um, Emirati States and who make their money from oil, a natural resource that shouldn't really belong to anyone. And it's sort of with dodgy human rights um, records, dodgy, bit of a euphemism, I suppose, poor human rights records that are clearly just bind their way into the game uh, in what's called sports washing. So, um, yeah, just as a, again, PR, comes back to PR, doesn't it? So, yeah, if uh, if Spurs were ever bought by, and I'm not saying Joe Lewis is a moral paragon, he's a tax exile, but, um, yeah, if it was anyone as negative, I think, as the Man City owners, I would continue to follow the team and watch them, but I wouldn't support them financially in any way. I wouldn't buy any merchandise, and it's not like I go to loads of games, maybe three or four a season, perhaps, but I wouldn't do that, I don't think. I mean, it's not very easy to say this when it's not actually happened, but, uh, and then, you know, you get a text from someone saying, oh, do you fancy, I've got a spare ticket. It's, uh, yeah, it's difficult to, um, hopefully, I, I'd like to think I'd put what I, reach into practice but you know not had to make that choice yet but it, I do find myself sort of slightly nearer that so unless there is some sort of u-turn on the position of you know how uh, how the club is dealing with its non-playing staff during this time I don't know it's uh, something I might consider is do the do I do I therefore um, back that with uh, with my money and you know that has to as I say it has to be balanced against the good things that the team or the club does in the community and it has to be balanced against you know we, none of us can be it's very difficult to be entirely morally spotless in 21st century and sort of also maintain something of a normal socially cohesive life but um yeah it's something I would consider anyway I guess the only other thing I was going to sort of 
chat through was uh, why is it that a guy from Yorkshire is supporting Tottenham Hotspur? And the short answer is because my friend does, um, Matt Seeley. And the full answer, which I've got time to tell you, is a bit more long-winded. So I thought I'd just go through that because my relationship with football has changed over the years. So when I was a, a kid, a little kid, I um, am from Scarborough. I supported Scarborough sort of nominally. So we'd go to um, Scarborough games uh, on birthdays and every now and again, which was nice. I didn't really understand or know much about football, but it was just when you're a kid, you sort of accept these things. And nominally, I supported Leeds because my dad did. And I suppose they're the nearest big team. And my cousin did. I think a couple of other members of the family spot Leeds as well. So I had a little Leeds kit and things and played football a bit. But <laughs> my uh, dad wasn't really around that much uh, when growing up. So it's not like we went to any games. And we didn't have Sky, so it's not like I saw any games. Um, watched England matches and stuff. Always got caught up in World Cups and Euros and things. But yeah, I was sort of I played football a bit at like primary school, but wasn't very good and not didn't really care very much. Um, and I sort of got to the point where I realised, well, I don't actually support any of these teams in any meaningful way. And I think around that time, so sort of mid nineties, mid to late nineties, probably. Um, Leeds, I'm gonna, I please don't say this is gospel, but there was some controversy about Leeds players uh, in racist, race, racist, racist attacks on fans. And I'm not saying I was any kind of uh, warrior for peace and equality at that age, but um, even then I sort of realized that that wasn't cool and that wasn't right. And I thought, well, maybe I don't support Leeds, maybe I'm not really interested in football whatsoever. And yeah, so that was sort of pre teen time, I guess. And then, I, was, I don't know, I got quite anti-football. I was, I guess, kind of a uh, nerdy, lame kid. And it's quite easy to sort of fall into those stereotypes and things and be against football because it's what all the sporty, cool kids like. So, yeah, as I was a teen, I didn't really uh, care for football at all. In fact, I think in sixth form college, I actually won third prize in a poetry competition for writing quite a cheesy looking back poem now about how terrible it was that footballers were paid so much money which <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know I, I don't think I even felt that passionately about the issue at the time but uh, you know I got in a poetry competition I think I just repurposed some song lyrics that I'd written for a, again um, a band I was in at the time so yeah and I guess my relationship changed with football when I uh, started drinking, really. So again, late, mid to late teens, um, I sort of realized thing, if you went to the pub with your friends and football was on, it was an association when you could hang out with friends and drink a beer, which are two nice, enjoyable things to do. And the third thing you're doing, watching football therefore becomes more enjoyable by proxy. Um, so, so there was that. And so, yeah, I was, when I was at uni, um, I guess 2008, I remember chatting to my friend Seely, who is a Tottenham fan. Now he's also from, he's from Doncaster originally, but there's some family connection that uh, means that he's a Spurs supporter. So anyway, I was chatting with him, I think probably in a reading week or something, and uh, Spurs were doing very badly at the time. And Harry Redknapp had just been appointed manager. Uh, and I think I remember, not again, not knowing anything much about football, but sort of betting him 
oh, I'll bet you a pint that he doesn't keep spurs up and spurs go down, which was, I mean, a wager of a pint isn't much, but it wasn't probably not a sensible bet. Um, but anyway, that sort of made me pay attention to Spurs results. Um, Sealy also got me playing fantasy football as well, which I started out knowing nothing about, but that it's a way of sort of learning about what all the teams are like and what they're all doing at once and not having an vested interest in just one team. It's also sort of around this time that um, I was reading David Peace books. So David Peace, I think it was the Red Riding trilogy that I first got into, which was really very good. I then followed that up by reading The Damned United, which is his sort of um, novelization of Brian Clough's management at Leeds, which again is a book that made me really interested in football. Loved it. It was great. And particularly management. Uh, And again, when I was a a little kid, we used to have a CD-ROM of a football manager game, which I... uh, got my mum to dig out for me and send down to me in London at this point and I started playing that again a bit and um, I think it must be the 1998 edition I think but anyway I really enjoyed playing that and that sort of spurned the interest further I was living again uh, with a very close friend uh, Nils and he's a football fan so again we encouraged each other watching football a bit and Spurs was the default and I think uh, possibly the game that really sort of made me properly following them was uh, they beat um, Wigan 9-1, I think, that season. And after that, I was properly following them. So, yeah, so it's about a bit about 12 years. Um, much, much later, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, this would be great if I knew this off the bat, but I later, later, later found out that Spurs' legendary manager from the, from the 60s, Bill Nicholson, that really... Uh, set up a lot of the ethos of what the club's about and was by far the most successful manager the team's ever had. He actually went to our secondary school, obviously not at the same time as me, but um, yeah, he, he uh, was from Scarborough, or certainly was educated in Scarborough. Uh, it, it was, uh, I went to a school called Graham School. I think it's called Graham Science College now, possibly, but I think it was, again, called something slightly different. Uh, well, I don't think it's called Graham School. It had a different name when Bill Nicholson was there, but it's the same school. Um, so that is a much more <laughs> reasonable connection uh, to follow Spurs. But yeah, as I say, I'd be lying if I said that that was an influence. Um, so yeah, I'm mean, going to still keep an eye on Leeds as well, particularly as they're currently managed by one of Pochettino's former mentors. Um, and I'd love to see I'd have loved to see Pochettino's Spurs play Bielsa's Leeds. That would have been an exciting lineup. But um, yeah, so I do keep an eye on Leeds, um, as it were. Scarborough, um, the team that was, um, they went into administration and were defunct a long time ago now. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, they, they, I think there were two sort of Phoenix clubs in their wake. I think Scarborough Athletic are the going concern and they've uh, they've got a new stadium built at Scarborough as well which is nice to see them back and I think a football team should and does do positive things for a community it's in or it certainly should do it's just I don't know maybe there's obviously the big successful teams they've got more money behind them and can do more stuff but I wonder if pound for pound smaller community clubs maybe do more positive things for the communities who knows there's probably a sharp non-fiction book in that. I'm not going to write it, but (laughs) there probably already is one. 
Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, kind of the whole football thing, I guess, in a nutshell. As I say, I would be delighted if uh, Spurs turned around and uh, uh, did a bit of a U-turn on their position with the uh, with the furlough and what have you. But I'm not exactly holding my breath. And yeah, so uh, I don't know. If you're not interested in football. Uh, possibly not the most interesting listen there. Well, I don't know, maybe I've made that vaguely relevant to the situation, I'm not sure. Probably should have said this at the beginning rather than the end, but here we are. So yeah, that's all I've got to chat about today. Um, Saturday Guardian tomorrow, so much to look forward to. Redirected the delivery. Uh, don't worry, I won't go through all of that again. Although if there are any interesting pieces in it, I'll um, draw your attention to them I suppose um, but yeah thank you for listening and I hope it's been an okay enough week it does start to feel more and more I don't know real and not real every day at the moment um, feel like we're getting used to a new way of living but then the figures the death tolls and things just seem to be going up and up and hearing the stories of really young people dying and obviously the nurses and doctors dying as well it's just there's some really heartbreaking stuff out there at the moment, so I hope you're finding some sort of respite in something else. It's obviously not healthy just to consume all of the news that's coming through all the time. So I hope there's something keeping you distracted, and me recording these things is my way of doing that. Uh, if it's helpful for you listening to them, that's great, but <laughs> I don't expect that is the case. So um, yeah, I hope you've got something else that you can take your mind off this situation. Um, yeah, sorry, that's kind of a somber, somber way of ending. Uh, bums. There you go. All right. Bye bye.